Okay, brothers and sisters, praises be to our loving Father that we are gathered once again to study His words and His commandments. We are going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 33, which is the uh, chapter that is before the last one, which is 34. So we're almost at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, which means Moses is about to die, right? And we talked about the preparations Moses made. In actuality, the book of Deuteronomy is about preparation. It's about the reiteration, the uh, preaching again, the giving again of the laws and commandments of God and reaffirming uh, the covenant that Yahuwah God made to the first jet to uh, the people of Israel. This is because a new generation has emerged and they're the ones who's going to enter the promised land. And so before Moses dies, what does he do to ensure the success of the people of Israel? Let's read the book of Deuteronomy chapter 33 in the verses one. This is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, pronounced on the Israelites before his death. Now, it is customary, it is Hebrew culture and custom that the father, before he dies, imparts blessing on his deathbed, blessing upon his children. Although Moses was not a quote-unquote father, he was nonetheless the shepherd who took care of the people of Israel throughout their wilderness wanderings. And so he pronounces a blessing before he dies. And the purpose of this blessing is so that Yahuwah God would bless the people of Israel as they prepare to enter the promised land. That's a good thing to receive, isn't it? When you have a blessing placed upon you before you embark on anything new. It's something that we need to practice as people of God, even in these last days, if we're going to do something new, maybe we're going to go to college, maybe we're going to start a business, maybe we're going to embark upon something new, maybe we're going to move to a different place, let us always seek for the blessing of Yahuwah Abba, our God. So Moses blesses the people, but the blessing that Moses gives is based upon the blessing or the prophetic words that were that was uttered by Jacob on his deathbed. Remember, before Jacob died, he also imparted a blessing and imparted prophetic utterances upon the tribes of Israel. And so let's go back to Genesis 49, 1 to 2. Then Jacob called together all his sons and, and said, gather around me, and I will tell you what will happen to each of you in the days to come. Come and listen, you sons of Jacob, listen to Israel, your father. And so Jacob, on his deathbed, gathered his sons together, and he said to them, I'm going to tell you what will happen to each of you in the days to come. Do you think Moses knows about these blessings or these prophetic utterances of Jacob upon the sons of Israel? What do you think? Yes, because he was the one who wrote the book, huh? Genesis, he knows this is the foundation, basically, of the, the, the nation of Israel. This represents their future. And so when Moses was putting together his blessings, it was flowing from the prophetic utterances that Jacob made for the people of Israel. Remember, the work of Moses, the work of Jacob, these are all guided by the one spirit of Yahuwah, our God. So there must be a flow, not a contradiction. And so let's go ahead and look at the basis of Moses in giving these blessings for the people of Israel. In the book of Deuteronomy 33, 2-5, he said, Yahuwah came from Sinai and dawned over them from Seir. He, sh he shone forth from Mount Paran. He came with myriads of holy ones from the south from his mountain slopes. Surely it is you who love the people. All the holy ones are in your hand. At your feet they all bow down and from you receive instruction. The law that Moses gave us, the possession of the assembly of Jacob, he was king over Jeshurun when the leaders of the people assembled along with the tribes of Israel. And so what is the basis of blessing that Moses pronounced upon the people of Israel? It is the sovereignty and faithfulness 
of Yahuwah God. Remember, it was Yahuwah who initiated all things. This is why in the introduction, the introduction of the blessing of Moses, he praises Yahuwah God first, telling us that he was the one who shone forth. In other, one, in other words, he was the one who took the initiative to rescue the people of Israel. And so the blessings of Moses, very similar to the song of Moses, is cast in poetry. This is like poem, a poetry. And so in this, in this blessing that Moses has given the tribes of Israel, it begins with a praise for our king, for our creator, Yahuwah God. And so he shines forth. He shows his love for his people, and he gives guidance to his people by giving them the instructions in the laws of Moses and the commandments given by Yahuwah, our God. And so we will look at these blessings for each of the tribes, having in the back of our mind what was pronounced long ago, centuries before, during the days of Jacob, and then we will compare the two. So let's begin with Reuben, who is the firstborn. Genesis, this is what was said. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor, excelling in power, turbulent as the waters. You will no longer excel, for you went up unto your father's bed, unto my couch, and defiled it. So this was the firstborn, Reuben. Unfortunately for Reuben, he defiled his father's bed. We know all about that. We talked about that back in Genesis 49. So because of this, well, Jacob, instead of announcing anything favorable for the, the people of Reuben or the Reubenites, he said, you are turbulent as waters. No longer will you excel. And so they will not succeed. Knowing this, what did Moses say as a blessing? Let's read Deuteronomy 33, verse 6. Let Reuben live and not die, nor his men be few. And so we can see here that Moses imparted a blessing, even though Jacob announced that the people of Reuben, the tribe of Reuben, will not excel, at least yeah, Moses gave the blessing, let them at least live. They may not excel, but let them live and let his, his men be not few. So this was the blessing that Moses gave to the tribe of Reuben. Next, we go to the tribe of Judah. In Judah, in Genesis chapter 49, verse 8, this is what Jacob said. Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. And so this was really a prophecy about the tribe of Judah. Why did Jacob say that your relatives will bow before you? To what is Judah likened to? In verse 9, Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey like a lion. He crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to rouse him. And so Judah is likened to a young lion, like a lion. And why is he likened to a lion? What also shall come forth from the, from the tribe of Judah? 49 verse 10, the scepter. What is a scepter? What is that, by the way? I think my daughter Jenna knows what a scepter is. What is a scepter, my beloved daughter? Scepter, what is that? It's something that who holds? Huh? A king, right? And so when it mentions scepter, Hmm, there's, it has something to do with being a king. And so from the tribe of Judah will come forth a lion who will have a scepter. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs. The one whom all nations will honor. We kind of get an idea who this is, right? This prophetic utterance of Jacob concerning the tribe of Judah. Well, what else uh, does he say about Judah? He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments and wine his robes in the blood of grapes. 
His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. And so an interesting phrase used here is his, his robe in the blood of grapes. Blood, grapes. What do you think about when you put those two words together? We think about the supper, remember? We think about the sacrifice of our king, Yahushua. And so we kind of get an idea what Jacob is talking about here, connecting this future king who is likened to a lion, whose robe is in the blood of grapes. We know what he's talking about. And the book of the writer of Hebrews knows it, knows it as well. That's why he said, what I mean is our Lord came from the tribe of Judah. And Moses never mentioned priests coming from that tribe. So there is the coming of the Lord who is from the tribe of Judah. Who is that? Revelation 5, 5. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. So who is likened to a lion? And is from Judah, who will have a scepter, which represents his authority as king. We all know it is the Lamb of God, who is Yahusha, our king. So Yahusha will come from the line of Judah. He will come from the tribe of Judah. In that sense, the tribe of Judah indeed was blessed. And so having that as a background, what does Moses say in Deuteronomy chapter 33 when he was imparting his blessing upon the tribe of Judah? This is what it says in verse 7. And, and this he said of Judah, hear Yahuwah, the voice of Judah, and bring him to his people. Let his hands be sufficient for him, and may you be a help against his enemies. And so what is the blessing imparted by Moses, knowing the prophetic utterance Jacob made about the tribe of Judah. He said, hear Yahuwah, the voice of Judah, and bring him to his people. This is to be fulfilled fully when? Revelation 19, 11 and 16, then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were, flame, were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood. You remember that passage in Genesis? And his title was the word of God. The armies of heaven dressed the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written that this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. This is why the scepter that will come from the line of Judah is to be given to the Lion of Judah, Yahushua, who will be King of kings and Lord of Lords, And in this passage, when uh, Moses says, bring him to your people, this will be fulfilled when our King Yahusha will come down from heaven to rule there in Jerusalem, in Israel, ushering in the millennial kingdom. Okay, so that was Judah. Well, what, what was the blessing for the Levites? This is what it says. Uh, in Genesis 49, 5 to 7, let's read first what Jacob said to Simeon and Levi. Genesis 49, 5 to 7, Simeon and Levi are two of a kind. Their weapons are instruments of violence. May I never join in their meetings. May I never be a party of their plans. For in their anger, they murdered men and they crippled oxen just for sport. A curse on their anger, for it is fierce. A curse on their wrath, for it is cruel. I will scatter them among the descendants of Jacob. I will disperse them throughout Israel. Nothing good came out from these utterances of Jacob, right? You notice that? Jacob, when he singled out Simeon and Levi, he said nothing good about the two tribes. Why? Because of their anger. In their anger, what did Simeon and Levi do. They killed wantonly. 
right? They killed innocent people because of their revenge. And so because of that, Yahuwah God was very angry. And, and Jacob, knowing this, well, a curse was placed upon them. And because of this curse, what would happen to Simeon and Levi? They would be scattered among the descendants of Jacob. In other words, they will be dispersed and they will not have their own possession or inheritance of land. That was a big deal. Because if you, had, if you did not have your own land, then you did not receive your inheritance. So basically, the Bible is telling us they basically lost their inheritance because of their outburst of anger, because of their killing. This tells us that in the, in the, in the mind of our, our creator, Yahuwah God, killing is not something that we should ever practice. It's something that Yahuwah God frowns upon. Okay, and so we need to, we must not take that lightly. And so Simeon and Levi, they were basically cursed. And so they lost their land. This is why when you look at the, uh, when Israel entered the promised land and the land was divided in, in the book of Joshua, look at where, you notice there's no Levi, right? There's no land that says Levi. There's no land. And you notice Simeon was eventually assimilated in Judah. And so there was no more land of Simeon. Eventually, they kind of, they no, they no longer basically existed. So Simeon was not even in Deuteronomy 33. When Moses was giving his blessing, guess what? Simeon was not there, right? But Levi was still there, right? We know that the, the, the Levites or the tribe of Levi, well, they were uh, basically... Uh, punished by Jacob when he pronounced uh, the future of Levi, but here's Moses. And Moses, you have to keep in mind, was what? What tribe did he come from? Moses. Levi. He was a Levite. And so when he's going to give a blessing, is he going to leave out the Levites? What do you think? I don't think so. And so notice what he said. Before he asked for blessing Levi, this is what he says. 33.8. About Levi, he said, your Thummim and Urim. Remember the Thummim and the Urim? This was like the, uh, the, the, uh, the stone that was used to determine Yahuwah's will during complex cases and uh, decisions. And so this was used to understand the will of God. And Moses says, your Thummim and Urim belong to the man you favored. Who is that man that Yahuwah God favored? He was referring to himself, right? You tested him at Masa. At first he passed, but then the second test, you contended with him at the waters of Meribah. Next time he failed. This is why he had to die and could not see the promised land, right? And so he's appealing uh, to, I guess, to, to Yahuwah our God concerning Levi. Look, uh, I came from the tribe of Levi. And then he goes on, right? What does he say in verse 9? Uh, this is what it says in verse 9. He said to his, he said of his father and mother, I have no regard for them. He did not recognize his brothers or acknowledge his own children, but he watched over your word and guarded your covenant. What was that referring to? It was during the time when Moses came down from Mount Sinai. And when he came down, what did he see? The people worshiping a golden calf. And what was the judgment of Yahuwah God? That those who had a part in it, they were to be killed. And who did the killing? It was the Levites. The Levites sided with Moses. When the majority sided with the people who were into the idol worship. But these Levites were brave. They were loyal to Moses. They were loyal to Yahuwah, our God. And so because of their loyalty, Moses here in verse 9 is using that to impart blessing upon the Levites. And so he teaches your precepts to Jacob and your law to Israel. He offers incense before you and whole burnt offerings on your altar. This is because, uh, because of the loyalty that was shown by the tribe of Levi. Well, Moses, uh, Yahuwah God gave them the authority, right? to lead in worship using the tabernacle 
and burning offerings to worship Yahuwah our God. And so the priests and those who work together with the priests, they come from the tribe of Levi. And so this was a blessing. And of course, although they did not possess the inheritance of land, who became their inheritance? Remember? Who, were the, who was the inheritance of the Levites? Because all the other tribes, they had their inheritance of land. But because of the curse, Levi, uh, the, the Levites were not to have an inheritance of land, but they had something better. Do you still remember who became their inheritance? God. Remember? The Bible says that I, Yahuwah God says, I will be their inheritance. This is why the Levites were set apart to glorify and to lead in the worshiping of God. Because of this, what did Moses ask? What did Moses bless the Levites with? Verse 11, bless all his skills, O Yahuwah, and be pleased with the work of his hands. Smite the loins of those who rise up against him. Strike his foes till they rise no more. And so because of the importance of what the Levites are going to do for the nation of Israel. It was vital that Yahuwah God bless the work of the Levites. This is why, you know, in this incident, we can see that although uh, Jacob pronounced that they will not inherit land because of their loyalty to Yahuwah God, Yahuwah God was able to transform that curse into a great blessing. Did you notice that? Because of the loyalty, the curse actually became a blessing. The Levites were scattered throughout Israel. And it, this was now for the purpose of good. Because as they were dispersed throughout the different nations, they were the ones teaching the people about the laws of God. And about how he is to be worshipped. So they became a blessing for the people of Israel. And Yahuwah himself will be there inheritance okay now how about uh, benjamin it's a nice one genesis 49 27 benjamin is a ravenous wolf in the morning he shall devour the prey and at night he shall divide the spoil and so in in jacob he likens benjamin to a ravenous wolf okay and he a wolf who devours the prey and in deuteronomy when moses gives the blessing he says something very unusual. What does he say? About Benjamin, he said, let the beloved of Yahuwah rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long, and the one Yahuwah loves rests between his shoulders. Very interesting. Benjamin, according to Moses, is the one Yahuwah loves. You notice that? Right? Benjamin... About Benjamin, he said, let the beloved of Yahuwah, right? so he's called the beloved of Yahuwah, the one Yahuwah loves. And so what happened? What is this referring to in the future? Well, we get a hint because it says there, one, the one Yahuwah loves rests between his shoulders. Now, when we look at the map of Israel, when it was occupied by the people of Israel, this is how it looks like. You notice where Benjamin is? It's in between two great houses. Who are they? Ephraim and Judah. Ephraim would basically be Israel. Ephraim is Israel. And Judah is Judah. Two kingdoms. Mountains. Kingdoms. And so Benjamin would be like in the middle. You notice that? And guess what came from Benjamin? Do you see that place? That famous place of all. Yeah, Jerusalem. And so when uh, Moses declared his blessing, it was fulfilled in Jerusalem. Jerusalem would be the city that Yahuwah God loves. And, also, and, and he was likened also to a, a wolf, right? And when you look, you look at some of the notable Benjamites, or those who came from the tribe of Benjamin, they all had this warrior mentality, never give up, 
very fierce and very aggressive, like a wolf. For example, Ehud, he was a great warrior judge. Saul was a, the first king, and he was a great warrior. Um, Esther was bold like a wolf. He was instrumental in saving the people of Israel from extinction. Conquered uh, Apostle Paul, right? He conquered a Gentile world through the gospel. He preached boldly. And so when we think of a wolf, we think of boldness. And all these Benjamites, they had the spirit of boldness in them. You notice that in this list of notable Benjamites, there were two Saul's, the first Saul and the next Saul. Who was the first Saul? King Saul, right? And who was the other Saul? Paul, Apostle Paul. You notice Saul represents um, someone who was initially chosen by God, but he became disloyal to God. You notice that? Saul, on the other hand, who became Paul, he started out as an aggressor against the people of God. And then he eventually became the apostle who preached for our king, Yahushua. And so here we have the story of the two Saul's. So that's the, ben, ben, the tribe of Benjamin. Well, how about Joseph? The book of Genesis 49, 22, Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. Key word here is fruitful. So fruitful, not only is it fruitful, it's even near a spring to make it even more fruitful. So much so, its branches climbs over a wall. And so having this as background, Moses adds on in Deuteronomy 33, 13, and 16 about Joseph. He said, may Yahuwah bless his land with the precious dew from heaven above and with the deep waters that lie below. With the best the sun brings forth and the finest the moon can yield, with the choicest gifts of the ancient mountains and the, and the fruitfulness of the everlasting hills, with the best gifts of the earth and its fullness and the favor of him who dwelt in the burning bush. Let all these rest on the head of Joseph, on the brow of prince among his brothers. And so the idea, the theme of fruitfulness carried over in the blessing pronounced by Moses. So much so, what did he say about Joseph and his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh? In majesty, he is like a firstborn bull. His horns are the horns of a wild ox. With them, he will gore the nations, even those at the ends of the earth. Such are the ten thousands of Ephraim. Such are the thousands of Manasseh. This is why when we look at the map, look at who has a lot of territory there. Manasseh and Ephraim. And so they were fruitful when it came to material uh, blessings. Okay, so that was Manasseh and Ephraim. Well, how about Zebulun? How was, what was the pronouncement of Jacob concerning Zebulun and Issachar. Well, let's read her here first in Zeb in, for Zebulun. Zebulun will settle by the seashore and will be a harbor for ships. His borders will extend to Sidon. How about Issachar? Issachar is a sturdy donkey resting between two saddle packs. When he sees how good the port side, uh, the countryside is and how pleasant the land he will bend his shoulder to the load and submit himself to hard labor. So this was Zebulon and Issachar. Now, they were going to make their living uh, from the land and also from the sea. Now, Deuteronomy combines both of them because Moses combines both of them in his blessing. And he says in Deuteronomy 33, 18 to 19 about Zebulon, he said, rejoice, Zebulon. In your going out, and you, Issachar, in your tents, they will summon peoples to the mountain, and they offer sacrifices of righteousness. They will feast on the abundance of the seas, on the treasures hidden in the sand. So the Bible says that Zebulon and Issachar, will, their livelihoods will be based upon the sea. So they'll be blessed in that manner. And this was shown in history. But there's also a notable part here that has something to do with the sacrifice of righteousness. When it has, it has something to do with worshiping who? Yahuwah our God. It mentions mountain, right? They will summon peoples to the mountain and they'll offer sacrifices of righteousness. 
And so what could that be? They will feast on the abundance of the seas. And so their dwelling place, Zebulon and Issachar, was near the sea. And they will be known for the mountain, right, where people will find sacrifices of righteousness. In other words, there will be people who will be brought near Yahuwah our God because something will happen to this mountain. What could that be? Was there a prophecy about this? Because this sounds like a prophecy. And so how was it fulfilled? What was it pointing to? Isaiah 9, 1 to 2. This is a prophecy by Isaiah. And he says, nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulon, you know, is that? And Naphtali, we'll talk about Naphtali later on, will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. The Bible says that eventually uh, Zebulon, Naphtali, and the other tribes of Israel would be humbled, right? Because they will be, they will be held captives by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and during those days of captivity were days of darkness. However, the prophecy says out of that darkness, when the land used that were formerly occupied by Zebulon, Naphtali, Issachar, close to the sea, it was occupied by Gentiles. You can know the Gentiles. Many Gentiles were there. And so it was a time of darkness. But the Bible says time will come in Galilee. There's going to be a bright light that will shine forth. I wonder what that bright light is. Can you guess who started his ministry in Nazareth in Galilee? Who is that? Yes. If you notice, all of Lord Yahushua's disciples, except for Judas, the only one, hailed from Galilee. Yeah. And much of Lord Yahushua's ministry took place where? In Galilee. And there's a mountain in Galilee that's famous. What is that? That's where he preached the Sermon of the mount. Do you know where that is? The Sermon of the Mount. What is that mount called? It's called the Mount of Beatitudes, and it overlooks the Sea of Galilee. This is why in that mount, light will come forth during a time of darkness, because that's where our King Yahushua, he preached the famous sermon on the mount. And so from there, we find the light shining in time of darkness. And this is why that prophetic utterance was fulfilled uh, in this place of Galilee. Well, how about Gad? Not God, but Gad. Okay. Genesis 49, verse 19, Gad will be attacked by marauding bands, but he will attack them when they retreat. And so when it comes, we can tell that Gad is pretty wise. He's a wise um, when it comes to warfare, very skilled and wise. And in Deuteronomy about Gad, he said, blessed is he who enlarges Gad's domain. Gad lives uh, there like a lion, tearing at arm or head. He chose the best land for himself. The leader's portion was kept for him. When the heads of the people assembled, he carried out Yahuwah's righteous will and his judgments concerning Israel. If you still remember, Reuben and Gad, parts of Manasseh, they decided to stay across the Jordan on the east on the, uh, the east side. They did not want to cross over, right? And so they stayed there, uh, but they fought anyways. They were valiant in fighting for the people of Israel and the promised land. And as their reward, they got the leader's portion of the land. So that was Gad. Not much is mentioned concerning Gad except for that. Interestingly, the next one is Dan. This is what he says about Dan. Not too promising. <laughs> Look, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that its rider shall fall backward. I have waited for your salvation, O Yahuwah. Interesting. That doesn't sound like a blessing, does it? 
it sounds like a, a warning, doesn't it? It sounds like a warning to me. It doesn't sound like a blessing. It doesn't sound like a curse. It sounds like a warning about Dan. Dan will be a serpent. Dan will be like a viper. And he will cause the rider of this horse to fall backward. What does that mean? Instead of progressing, they will go backward, right? In other words, it's apostasy. And so Dan would introduce something that is equivalent to a serpent's bite that will cause the people of Israel to fall back into apostasy. What could that be? Well, in the, in the book of Deuteronomy 33, verse 22, he doesn't allude to that. Although Moses knows about this, this is what he says about Dan. 33.22, about Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's cub springing out of Bashan. Because Moses is giving blessing, right? And blessing is positive. And so he focused on the potential of Dan. You see, Dan did not have to, to do what was told about him. He still had the choice. And so here's Moses. He's highlighting the potential for Dan because Dan is likened to a lion's cub. It's not yet a mature lion. It has a potent potential to be a strong and powerful tribe. That's why it's called the lion's cub, springing out of Bashan. But unfortunately for Dan, how did they fulfill the prophecy in Genesis? In Judges 18, 29 to 31, they renamed the town Dan after their ancestor, Israel's son, but it had originally been called Laish. Then they set up the carved image and they appointed Jonathan, son of Gershom, son of Moses, as their priest. This family continued as priests for the tribe of Dan until the exile. So Micah's carved image was worshipped by the tribe of Dan as long as the tabernacle of God remained at Shiloh. And so what is the, the tribe of Dan guilty of, which is like a serpent's bite? He was the one who introduced idolatry to the people of Israel. It started out there in a place called Laish, which would eventually be called Dan. And it got worse and worse. In fact, even you know, when they had the split of the kingdoms, what happened? First Kings 12, 28 to 30. So on the advice of his counselors, the king made two gold camps. He said to the people, it's too much trouble for you to worship in Jerusalem. Look, Israel, these are the gods you brought you that who brought you out of Egypt. He placed these calf idols in Bethel and in Dan at either end of his kingdom. But this became a great sin for the people worship the idols, traveling as far north as Dan to worship the one there. And so it started out in Laish. Eventually, this uh, idolatry that was introduced by the tribe of Dan, it became widespread. It occupied, it influenced the entirety of the nation of, of uh, the kingdom of Israel. Look at the kingdom of Israel, right? In Shiloh, in, uh, they established uh, in Bethel and in Dan, these altars that had the golden calves. And so they worship the golden calves. The idolatry became worse. This is why Israel was the first to fall when they fell by the hands of the Assyrians. And it became so bad during the uh, days of Yahusha, right? How, when the people of Israel when each tribe began to accept our King Yahusha, listed in, Je in Revelation 7, 4 to, I 4 to 8, all the different tribes of Israel who would be sealed because they have accepted our King Yahusha, guess how many came from the tribe of Dan? How many? There's none. <laughs> it's missing. Dan is missing. The other tribes are there, right? You might say, well, where's Ephraim? Well, Ephraim is represented by Joseph. Or Joseph is there. Manasseh is there. Simeon is there. Simeon, right? Simeon wasn't in Deuteronomy 33. But Simeon is here in Revelation 7. For me, what is better is to have an, a good ending, right? I mean, you can have a poor beginning, a poor middle. 
But if you have a fantastic ending, that's what matters the most. What's bad is if you have a good ending and then you have a, a pretty bad end, a good ending, a good beginning, I mean, and a bad ending. That's what's bad, right? And so we all aspire in the end, we shall receive the blessing. What's even better is throughout our life, we will have the blessing of Yahuwah, our God. Okay, well, how about Naphtali? What happened to Naphtali? Well, in Genesis 49, 21, Naphtali is a deer let loose. He uses beautiful words about Naphtali. He said, Naphtali is abounding with favor of Yahuwah and is full of his blessing. He will inherit southward to the lake. Interesting about Naphtali, together with Zebulon, they are mentioned in prophecy in Isaiah and also by our king, Yahusha. Uh, our, when Yahusha heard that John, John the Baptist, had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He started in Galilee, right? But he had a mission elsewhere, but he went back to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth and left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah in the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali beside the sea beyond the Jordan River in Galilee where so many Gentiles live. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who live in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. And so Naphtali, Issachar, Zebulon, they occupied that place there in Galilee. From there, we know, oh, by the way, that place in Galilee, in Nazareth, the people of uh, the Jews, they, they looked down upon that place. It was, not a pop it was like a ghetto place, if you can call it that. It was a humble place. People who lived there were poor. But guess what? That's what Yahuwah God chose to be the place where the Messiah will come, will really uh, come from and begin his ministry. How about Asher? Out of Asher, his bread shall be fat and he shall yield royal dainties. Now, when the Bible makes mentions fat, it represents prosperity. Okay. It doesn't mean physical fat. <laughs> It means prosperity. And so Asher, according to the declaration of Jacob, would be prosperous materially. How prosperous? Why is he called fat? Well, Moses says about Asher, he said, most blessed of his sons is Asher. Let him be favored by his brothers and let him bathe his feet in oil. The bolts of your gates will be iron and bronze and your strength will equal your day. So Asher would be the tribe that would receive the material and prosperous blessings here on earth. Can you imagine bathing his feet in oil? <laughs> I mean, oil was luxury, but he would bathe his feet in oil. This represents the uh, material blessing upon the people of Asher, right? So that's what, so those were the blessings that uh, Moses proclaimed to the tribes of Israel. And to conclude, what was his conclusion? Moses, he had an introduction, remember about uh, Yahuwah shining forth, Yahuwah showing love, Yahuwah giving instructions. What was his conclusion? 26 to 29, there's no one like the God of Jeshurun. Jeshurun means upright one, and it's another name for Israel. Okay, so when Israel is behaving well, the Bible usually calls him Jeshurun. There's no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides on the heavens to help you and on, and on the clouds in his majesty. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemy before you saying, destroy him. So Israel will live in safety alone. Jacob's spring is secure in the land of uh, grain and new wine where the heavens drew, the, uh, drop dew. Uh, blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by Yahuwah. He is your shield and helper and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will trample down their high places. And so this was the conclusion of the poem, which represents the blessing of Moses for the people of Israel. And so before Israel marched to the promised land, Moses gave them a blessing. And it was like a pep talk 
I mean, for you to receive a blessing from someone like Moses, that was a great thing. Blessings during the days of the Old Testament, they were big things. They were almost, when you were, when a blessing was imparted upon you, it was a legal and binding words. And Yahuwah God honors those things. And so Israel had everything, every reason for them to succeed, right? There's no way that they can blame anyone else except for themselves if they fail. Because the instructions were given, right? Uh, the covenant was reestablished, right? The blessings and curses were mentioned. There were witnesses. They themselves announced the blessing and curses in the mountains. Remember the mountains? Right? And so they knew what the covenant is all about. And then now they give a special blessing from Moses. And so everything has been set up for Israel to succeed. The power of blessing determines our future. Israel's future was determined also by these blessings. However, that glorious future mentioned here by Moses in the last part of his blessing, well, because of the disobedience of the people of Israel, it would be prolonged, right? It would take place at a much later, later time. But for us, we who live today, it would be nice if Moses would give us a blessing, right? It would be nice if Jacob and Abraham would give us a blessing. But of course, they're already gone. They cannot give us a blessing. But what is better than, the, than Moses giving us a blessing? What is better than Moses pronouncing a blessing for all of us? What would be better is if the father himself pronounces a blessing for all of us. And the truth is he did. He did. You know, there's no reason for us to be jealous with a godly jealousy for the people of Israel because of the blessing that Moses pronounced. We also have a blessing. And this is something I want you to remember. Because if the blessing of Moses and the blessing of Jacob was so powerful that it altered and shaped the destiny of so many people, how much more the blessing of Yahuwah our Father, right? So what is that blessing for all of us? Ephesians 1.3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Yahushua Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ? Are we united with Christ? Are we parts of his body? Do we bear his name, Yahushua, our King of kings and Lord of lords? If it is true that we belong to our King, Yahushua, if we're united with him, guess what? Yahuwah our God, he has pronounced a blessing. And that blessing that Yahuwah God has pronounced, no evil spirit, no dominion in the unseen world can ever undo. Nothing here on earth, nothing in heaven can ever take us away from this proclamation of our creator, Yahuwah our God. What is his blessing? The Bible says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Just let that sink in, brethren. When Moses gave his blessing to his people, Israel was limited. This is unlimited. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms has been pronounced for each and every one of us. Brethren, we have no reason to fail and every reason to succeed. This is why when we face any kind of obstacle, when we face any kind of hindrance, remember, remember, Yahuwah our God has announced our blessing. Not only that, he has announced our victory through our king, Yahusha. And so, brethren, let us not lose hope. We have no reason to lose hope, but every reason to press forward because our victory awaits us because it was announced by our creator, Yahuwah God, through Yahusha HaMashiach. We may not have the blessing of Moses, but we have the blessing of our father, Yahuwah, our God. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, yes. Yahuwah Abba, yes. thank you so much for announcing and pronouncing your blessing 
upon us. Amen. We know, Father, nothing can ever separate us from you. Yes, Father. Because you gave up your only begotten son. Yes, and so when we ponder upon what you did yes. for our sake, we are inspired and encouraged. Yes. No matter what we face in this life, we know, we firmly believe with yes. certainty that in the end, all things you will cause to work together for good. Amen. This is what we see throughout the Holy Scriptures. Yes. The people whom you've called because of your love. Yes, yes they go through adversity. Yes. But you have always been there. Yes. yes, there were times that were disloyal to you. But you were always faithful to your promises. Amen. And so despite the setbacks, despite the hindrances, yes. despite the failures... You always found a way yes. and in your sovereignty and great love, yes. you caused all things to work together for good. Amen. Here we are now yes. standing at the precipice of eternal life. Yes. We know that salvation is at hand. Yes. We are so close loving Abba. Yes. And so we are even more confident that you are causing all things to work together for yes. our good. Because indeed we love you. And we have been called for this purpose. Amen. Help us every day to grow in faith. Yes. May the blessings you have announced for us not get, go to waste. Yes. Instead may we claim them by prayer. Yes. As we ask for the power of your spirit. To dwell in our life. Yes. Because we know when your power is within us, there is nothing impossible. Amen. Our King, Yahusha HaMashiach, yes. we follow your footsteps. Yes. Every step you took, every word you uttered, yes. they are treasures for each one of us. Amen. We long to hear from you. Yes. We long to feel your presence. When yes. we pray to you, even in our personal prayers, yes, manifest yourself, yes. strengthen us once again, yes, and Lord. comfort us every day. Amen. How we long to see your face. Yes, we Lord. know one day this will come to pass, yes, and Lord. we will be able to embrace you yes. and enjoy your loving embrace as Amen. well. Help us to wait for you patiently, yes. being watchful at all times yes. how we long to be with you how we long to to rule with you yes. how we long to always be obedient to your voice Amen. help us every day loving mashiach yes. that we will overcome the many trials in our life Amen. father remember your people now Yes. Those who are going through adversities, yes. we know this is a part of our testing. Yes. It's also part of our journey. Yes. And so help us to endure them all, yes. to be inspired by you, the work that you do for your people, yes. that we will never, ever give up. Amen. Father, thank you for listening to our prayers. Yes, so you have blessed each and every one of us today. Yes, we ask everything in the name of our Lord and Savior. Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.